Under the Radar, bringing movies and people together, one frame at a time. Hey guys, I'm Randy Younger, and this is another episode of Under the Radar, bringing movies and people together, one frame at a time. And with me tonight, I have uh, a wonderful panel of guest critics. Uh, I have back to, the, back to the show, Mr. Chris Clemente. Welcome back, Chris. And new to the show, we have film royalty. We have renowned oh, critic, Mr. Neil Rosen. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me, Randy. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, anytime. So, Neil, I met you at Tribeca just a couple months ago. Glad I did, because it was quite a festival. I got to do some red carpets, and I got to meet you at the press and publicity mixer. It was basically, I think it was opening night or the, a few nights into Very the- weird night because yeah. it was the night when the sky turned orange. Right, that's and, right. Um, it was the night and, and nobody knew what it was. <laughs> a day later, it was like, oh, the, the level, which I never even knew that there was a level that existed. It was up to like the, the highest in the, in, in the world at that moment at like 400 and something. But I mean, I was on the roof at the headquarters for the Tribeca Film Festival and first I go, oh, it looks like rain. They didn't predict rain. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the sky turned orange. Right. And then right. I got home and I learned more about it. And I actually went online and looked at the sky of Mars, images of the sky of Mars. And it was actually more orange here on this planet than it was mm-hmm. on the sky of Mars. Yeah. <laughs> that was the night we met, Randy. It was, yep. um, you know... Uh, you know, but there's no such thing as climate change. Gee, you know, let's let's have all this climate change. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And well, then I'm out of my lifetime, but you know, hopefully I won't again. But there you go. Well, this, despite the orange smoke, it was really nice meeting you there. Um, I so agree. There nice meeting you as well. Yes, and Chris, good to see you again. It's been a couple of months. I think we last did. Um, was it Asteroid City? Uh, yeah, but we did uh, the Lebowski and. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did. We did a great, uh, great retrospective of the Coen Brothers filmography uh, after doing a 25th anniversary review of the Lebowski. And uh, that was a lot of fun. I'm happy that we were that you participated with that. And I'm happy that you're back for more. And uh, yeah, instead of another uh, great filmmaker we're going to discuss tonight is Martin Scorsese uh, and his latest offering, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, based on a true story about basically the slaughtering of Native Americans in Oklahoma, uh, basically trying to reclaim their land and the oil that is underneath it. Uh, we've got Leonardo DiCaprio, we've got Robert De Niro, uh, also you know veterans of Scorsese's filmography. Also newcomer Lily Gladstone, who plays uh, DiCaprio's love interest, a Native American woman. I think she's fantastic in this. She's one of the few good things about the film. This movie uh, clocks in at nearly three and a half hours. And, you know, we don't have intermissions this day and age in movie theaters, which is a shame because this movie could definitely have benefited from one. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to- Most people, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Most people will watch this with an intermission. Oh, sure. Most people will not see this in the theater. Most people will see this when it's streaming. And <laughs> just the way I did, I came very late to the party in the last James Bond film, which mm-hmm. I believe was three hours. And by the time I got to it, I, was, I think I was on vacation or something, and it was too late to review it. So I just got to it late. And people said, oh, God, it's so long. It's so long. 
So I watched it in three different installments. I watched an hour, then I watched another hour, and then the next day I watched another hour. And yeah. it made it really much more tolerable for me. And I didn't really feel like, oh, God, this is so long. It's just terrible. It was like, yeah, okay. It was like a mini. It was like James Bond miniseries. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the pause button on your remote control is the new intermission, basically. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, you know, I, I saw this in theaters, and I had to run to the bathroom a couple of times throughout it. Um, and you know, it, it just, it, it, it it's frustrating because it's a, it's a very well-made film. The production value is so high here, but it's so long. I, I, I dozed off a few times. I had to go to the bathroom. It took me out of the experience. I wasn't invested in the story. Uh, I didn't think DiCaprio was that good. He, you know, I think this could have been played, this role could have been played by any other, you know, talented, good looking actor. Uh, who's you could of, have done it, Randy. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, I'll be the sequel. Um, but yeah, like I was disappointed with his performance because I usually like I've, I've liked most of the stuff he's done in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, I think De Niro kind of knocked it out of the park, uh, but he's always pretty good, except unless he's doing like a, a dopey uh, sex comedy. Uh, so it was nice to see him in a return to form here. And again, Lily Gladstone, I thought she was a real star here as well. But uh, Chris, what, what were your thoughts of Killers? Yeah, I think I, I have the same sentiment as you, Randy. Um, I I really wanted to like this film a lot more than what was given to me, um, or, or us, I should say. Um, I was really excited for a Scorsese film. Um, it feels like a Scorsese film in theaters in 2023 is, is a real treat. The runtime, you know, it's very long and it feels long. Um, you know, when I go out of the theaters, even after a long movie, I want to feel like, you know, it, it whizzed by. And I felt that with Oppenheimer, uh, which was a very long movie. Um, I like slow burn movies, but when editing is, is done clunky, which I kind of felt like it was done here, um, it, it kind of... It kind of, it's a big disappointment for me, and I, and I felt it here. Um, it felt like it just dragged on, but the ending felt very rushed to me. Um, you could yeah. see it with the the time with um, Brendan Fraser and with John Lithgow. I wanted to see more of them. There and the it felt like there were bad. more scenes with them, but they were just... Right. It's like they were just added on at the very right. end, and it was just... I actually... Uh, right. Brendan right, Fraser. or they were just mishappily added on, yeah. Brendan Fraser was one of the, the few reasons I really wanted to see this movie because he you know, is fresh off his Oscar win for The Whale. So I, I just want to see what his next outing would be. Um, I was really disappointed with, with his like five, 10 minutes on camera and he was kind of just hamming it up a bit. So it just, it kind of took me out of it. And again, kind of disappointed with that. Lithgow in, in the courtroom as well, kind of over the top, kind of like, where did he come from? But um, right, but, you know, yeah, right. And then just the, the the ending felt more like an epilogue than an actual closure to to the film. So it felt almost like a, a another film onto itself. So it just it, it was very disappointing just on an edit, editing level, and um, it's a shame because it is a it is a huge movie and there's a ton of great actors and for me uh, the standout performance was um, Robert De Niro. Um, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed his performance. I thought he was a chameleon and really 
absorb the part. Um, for me, De Niro at this point in his career, um, his his reputation precedes him. And especially yeah. if you look at his roles outside of a gangster, um, for me, I tend to be a little bit more critical because um, he fits the gangster so well that sometimes when he plays a Southerner or plays someone else, it kind of takes you out of the element. But for me, um, he got lost in, in this role and he played that line of likable and slimy very well. And I thought the role just fit him perfectly. Um, for for Lily uh, Gladstone, she was great. I could see the praise for her and it's well-deserved, but I feel like there could have been more given to her. I think after a while, they were relying more on facial expression and body language, which is great, but I think after a while, that was the only thing that was given to her. So. Yeah. Like many other performances here, I just wanted a little bit more. So for me, the film is great. Um, it's well-deserving of the praise, but I think it's just at this point overly praised. And it, it's, it was largely underwhelming for me. It's really just, it's, it's the package, Scorsese, uh, DiCaprio, De Niro. Like you put right. that, 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 those names out there, people are going right. to see this movie and they're going right. to immediately associate it with, you know, awards bait. Right, um, which is sad because the the meat of this film is really not that tasty. It's not that interesting. Right. I mean, may, it could have been it could have benefited greatly from a much shorter runtime. I'm I'm gonna mm -hmm. keep saying that because this movie again three and a half hours is just I was taken out of it towards the the last half hour. I was dozing off. I was in the movie theater and it, and it just it it turned me off really. Um, you know, I, I heard about the story. It seemed interesting a couple of months ago when I heard about it. And, you know, it's like, wow, all these names attached. This is going to be the best film of the year. But, you know, it, I don't know. It, it'll probably make my top 10, but maybe like number nine or number 10. But, um, yeah. Neil, thoughts on uh, on this epic? <laughs> okay, well, first of all, I really did not like this film. Um, I took a, I took a guest with me. Yeah. told me that if I if he wasn't my guest, he would have walked out in 40 minutes. Um, I got it, it, this movie at three and a half hours. I mean, an hour into this movie, I understood where this I understood the story of the movie. I understood that right. Robert De Niro is, you know, he's this they call him King. That's his nickname. And look what I've done for you. Osage Indians in the town. I built banks and buildings and. I, look, look, you know, and in what he really is, is he's he's Don Corleone. He's the godfather. He's arranging all these people to get to, to, you know, these Osage Indian women to die and arranging marriages with white people so we can inherit money. He's this villainous guy. Actually, he's mm -hmm. not he's not even godfather might not even be a good example because the godfather actually, in a way, even though he was killing people, had a heart to some extent. But. So let, let me get away from that analogy. But I, I understood what was going on an hour in. And I said to myself, I got two and a half more hours of this thing. Are you kidding? I mean, <laughs> you know, you could have easily made a two hour movie out of this. There was so much extraneous material in this particular <laughs> film that just did not have to be there. I mean, maybe if you're a big fan, DVDs aren't that popular now, but you could have cut. You could have done director's cut on DVD if you really love this thing to such so much that you know. But you could have made a two-hour movie, a much tighter movie. The movie is humorless. 
Not to say that this is not an important story and it's a sad story, but even in sad stories that I can mention many to you, you know, there are some little sly remarks or something, but this is just like, it's just deadly for three and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. um, on the positive side, mm-hmm. I did really like Lily Gladstone. Um, I never, she's done other stuff. I was not familiar with, with her, you know, other performances, right. um, but this is definitely her star performance. She was very good. The cinematography is very good. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, again, as you guys mentioned, I mean, Brendan Fraser, who looks like almost like he's walking off the set of The Whale. They must have shot this a couple of, you know, right after that movie a couple of years ago. He's very overweight, but he's in the movie for three minutes, so it doesn't really matter. And so is John Lithgow. Uh, uh, you know, I, I thought the thing picked up a little bit when Jesse Plemons in the last hours, the FBI agent, entered the picture. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like Jesse Plemons. I actually like the end of the movie instead of just writing, you know, on a screen like the epilogue of what happens you know this one died and this one went to jail and this one did you know you know they recreated a um you know old-time 1930s radio thing with scorsese scorsese makes kind of an appearance i kind of like that device but you know you gotta wait three hours and 20 minutes to get to get to that thing you know and um i don't know i mean it's it's just it was draggy it's long it was boring i was not dozing off like you randy in the end but i just couldn't wait to i was just kind of like looking at my you know saying okay another 20 minutes another i just couldn't wait till this thing would end you know it it was just really a disappointment it's got Mm -hmm. a great cast and director um as far as de niro goes um i did i i did this on my show i'm going to plug my show talking pictures with neil rosen which you can watch by following me, getting the link on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, now called X, yep. uh, at Neil Rosen Apples, or you could just go to YouTube and put in Talking Pictures with Neil Rosen in the episode. In addition to the cinematography um, and Lily Gladstone, I thought this, I thought the sets were really good, but right. you know, it doesn't really matter. You could put all that stuff in there, and <laughs> you don't have, I mean, a really, I mean, three and a half hours. If you don't have a captivating screenplay. Uh, it doesn't really matter to me. I mean, as far as De Niro goes, the accent, I mean, we've seen De Niro in so many movies over the years that the accent actually was a distraction for me, Um, (laughs) distracted me from the performance. But since then, I did this movie on my show and I had to look at a lot of clips from the movie after I saw the movie. Mm -hmm. I got more used to the accent, so it, it didn't bother me. I think the performance is fine, but I think De Niro's career... And we're going to talk about another De Niro film in a, in, in a moment. But I think if you look at, let's say, the first uh, De Niro's career, like in the 70s and the 80s and even the early 90s, I mean, it was really an event to see a De Niro film. I mean, it was like my, it, almost every film that he was in, like, was a, almost a home run or like right. or, or at least a standing triple, you know. And he's done so many lousy movies you know, in the last, I mean, I could just rattle off these movies. I mean, he just did one with Sebastian Maniscalco. I mean, they're just, that was terrible. They're either, they're either bad or they're, they're mediocre or they're just not memorable. But I mean, when you compare this to like, you know, Goodfellas or Taxi Driver or Casino or any of these, you know, just to name three other Scorsese movies, you know, and I can even name you movies, which we'll talk about one in a minute, that had nothing to do with Scorsese, which I think is just a great movie. Right. Um, 
you know, I, I mean, De Niro, generally speaking, is very, the movies that he chooses are very disappointing. And I would add this to the list. And I'll say one more note on this. Yeah. Is that, um, you know, after I saw this movie and I told you my friend who I taught brought to the movie was bored and I was bored. I, I thought it would get mediocre reviews and it got these unbelievable reviews. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you a quick story about the movie Ghost. You know, um, Ghost came out. And I was one of the few critics that gave Ghost with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore a really good review. I really liked that movie. I thought it was a crowd-pleasing, good, was it, you know, high art? No, but it was a really satisfying film. It was just, if you go back and look at Rotten Tomatoes, it got horrible reviews. Oh, really? That's funny. Um, and I think critics, in a way, are kind of like sheep. If a, if a few people, a lot of critics are, you know, if a few people, you know, top critics give it a, a rave review they don't want to well i better not say that i didn't like it because i'm gonna look stupid or something like that i always kind of say what i feel and i did not like this movie and it's very refreshing to hear two other critics you two guys to not really be thrilled with this movie as as the the way i feel about it because on my show the other two critics were like i think it's great i think i and they're not (laughs) but i mean they really like this movie well um um, i do it will be nominated for a couple It'll of be nominated for like a minimum 10 Academy. Awards. Right. Right. I, I do hope it wins for production design. Cause that was just flawless. Uh, and actually Je- I agree I, with you. Neil. I Jesse, agree with that. Jesse Plemons Jesse was Plemons one of the strongest, strongest elements, elements, even though he only had a, a couple of minutes of screen time. Um, and the movie another, came alive, the movie came alive for me when he was on the screen yeah. and in that radio and, and that epilogue radio thing, right. but, but that compromises maybe, Ten percent. I'm going to be generous. Eight percent to ten percent of the movie. You know. Gotcha. Uh, and I'm also thinking of another uh, Dernero Scorsese collaboration uh, from '91, uh, the remake of Cape Fear, where he ha- also had a Southern accent, which kind of like I think that was the first time I saw him with an with a, a, a non New Yorker accent, and it was kind of jarring. It was kind of unexpected, but I don't in- like that movie. I like the original. I don't yeah, like the original. Sure. And I the talked classic. to Scorsese about that. about that. You know, I said. There's a point in Cape Fear where De Niro was driving for like 50 miles. He's like somebody's driving a truck and he's hanging onto the chassis underneath the thing. I go, that's so realistic. Nobody could do that. And he's going, well, Scorsese goes to me, well, you know, he's it, it's not supposed to really be realistic. This guy is not supposed to be, you know, like he's supposed to be not like just a regular human being. The whole movie is kind of surrealistic in a way. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't present to me. I didn't say <laughs> If you want to go into a movie with that starting that way, then I can buy into it. But don't switch that in make the character that all, all of a sudden. But we're on a path of another movie. But right. I'm not a big fan of Cape Fear. So, guys, I just wanted to um, segue real quick because we just only have a few minutes left. Uh, I want to talk about This Boy's Life, which came out 30 years ago, 1993. Uh, it is the first collaboration between DiCaprio and De Niro. And it's actually a really strong story. It's based on a true story, basically about a mother and son who kind of like wander around trying to find their place in society. Eventually, they link up with De Niro's character, who plays a real bastard of a guy. Uh, He's abusive uh, physically and mentally and basically is having a a, basically a a domestic battle uh, with DiCaprio, who's only like 15 in the film. This movie's fantastic. It 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 blows Killers of the Flower Moon out of the water, and it's amazing to see DiCaprio in such a, a young performance. He, at fifteen, he 
really demonstrated movie star appeal. And of course, you've got De Niro. Um, it was the same year he did a, a Bronx Tale. So he was like at the top of his game, early 90s. Love this film. Love so, it. Yeah, it is so great. And the, the chemistry between DiCaprio and De Niro is just flawless. And Ellen, Ellen Barkin's performance isn't bad either. Uh, also, I wanted to mention, this was actually the first film for um, Chris Cooper. Uh, I'm sorry. No, Tobey Maguire is in it and his first film, feature-length film. You've got Chris Cooper, Carla Gugino, uh, and Eliza Dukshu. And so it's just a great, uh, great cast here. But I was, can, yeah. I, can I just pop in? Yeah, yeah um, pop in. <laughs> um, I saw the movie when it first came out. I love the movie. This is a great this is a great movie. I mean, it's it's De Niro, like you said, at the top of his game. De Niro is phenomenal in this movie. He's just phenomenal. And DiCaprio matches him note for note. But De Niro, who has a very strange accent also, which does not bother me. It's kind of like a Boston accent. He's like, you know, it's just very <laughs> weird and it's funny. And I mean, here's a movie that's not that's not it's not a funny movie, but it makes me laugh at points because this De Niro character is such a he's such a he's, he, like you said, he's a bastard, but he's also kind of a schmuck. You know what I mean? And and he's just I mean, you know, when he's courting Ellen Barkin, you know, you, you, you know, you can call me late, but don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like it's crazy. And then when he like, marries her and he starts like just beating, not physically. But, well, well, there is one point where they have a a fight, but he's just mentally, emotionally beating down Leonardo DiCaprio. He buys him a Boy Scout uniform that's like 12 sizes too big. And he's like, I was watching clips of it tonight because I knew we were going to talk about it. And there's this scene about where he's just screaming De Niro at him for like, I count how many candies you just sit around and watch TV. I feel the top of the television set. It's warm. So, so what? I watch TV. Oh, you're reading books. And, and it's, you know, it's based on a, you know, semi-autobiographical story of Tob Tobias Wolf who co wrote the screenplay. And I just love this. That unlike Killers of the Flower Moon, I love the chemistry between De Niro and DiCaprio in this particular movie. I agree with you in Killers of the Flower Moon. I was not overly impressed with DiCaprio's performance. Um, De Niro was fine, but you want to see acting. I mean, watch this boy's life. It's not only in, it's not only two hours, but not three yeah. and a half. It it, it moves <laughs> like lightning, and it's such an it's such an involving great movie and it's enter it's entertaining and it's moving it's i love it and you know what it's 115 minutes so it doesn't even clock in at two hours counting for credits it's 110 minutes right and 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 so much is unwrapped here we get so much great meat i'm going back to the meat analogy this movie has a ton of meat it's totally interesting and it's tense too like like De Niro is legitimately frightening in this movie. And I was fearing for DiCaprio's character's life in many, many scenes. Mm -hmm. um, it could, I don't think this was a play. If it, if it isn't a play, it should be uh, adapted uh, to the screen because it'd be perfect, I think. But yeah, uh, it's funny. There are funny parts in this movie. Yeah. I mean, De Niro is yeah. dating Ellen Barkin. He's acting like such an idiot. I mean, it's actually, now here's a really abusive, serious subject like Osage, Killers, you know, like the Osage Nation, but I am smiling through parts of the movie. I mean, throw me, throw me a bone, you know, like, <laughs> like make, make me enjoy I, myself for some part of this this experience. In the movie. And I and I love this the, the the adolescent stuff, you know, him kind of like a coming of age story. He's smoking cigarettes. He's getting into fights. He's you know, it's actually a really interesting 
uh, childhood becoming a man type story. And I really shut like you, shut your goddamn pie hole. I can't yeah. I just keep remembering that <laughs> that saying throughout the entire movie. Shut your goddamn pie hole. That was the accent. Your your pie hole. Cause you're I don't even know what kind of <laughs> I've heard it. Um, Chris, Chris, how about you? What do you what do you what's your take on this boy's life? Oh, I'm I, I'm totally in agreement. It's uh it's out of the two, this one blows it out of the water. Um, I mean, it's De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio at their finest. I mean, you see the potential in Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, and actually, wasn't it this film that kind of tipped the hat to uh, Scorsese to look yeah. at uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? So, I I believe so, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, basically they're yeah. like grooming him for gangster. Yeah. Which yeah, it said that like after this film, uh, De Niro called Scorsese and said, "Hey, look out for this kid." <laughs> but it's just it's phenomenal acting. It's tense. It's um, it's everything that you want in a, in a dramatic, you know, suspenseful movie like this. Um, yeah. What can I say that's not already been said? But yeah, do I wish I wish there a tenth of this movie was kind of in killers. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. And you know what? Um, I, I also wanted to mention uh, another movie that DiCaprio and De Niro were in. However, they did not have, they did not share any scenes together. Marvin's Room from 1996. Fantastic movie about um, Diane Keaton's character. She's DiCaprio's mom. And basically she's, she gets leukemia. She moves in uh, with her sister played by Meryl Streep. And it's basically uh, about the relationship between these three fantastic actors these fantastic characters in this movie de niro has sort of a supporting role as Di diane keaton's doctor uh and sadly no screen time with uh, dicaprio but it's still a very strong film if you guys have not seen it uh marvin's room from 96 um i also wanted to mention uh a short film from a couple years back uh called the audition which also was directed by scorsese and features dicaprio De Niro and actually Brad Pitt. And that's worth checking out too. It's a short film, it's easy watch. Um, but yeah, these two actors are great. It's like De Niro, De Niro has passed the baton to DiCaprio and Scorsese is kind of just observing it all. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll take this kid now. He'll, he's like the new De Niro. But in, in Flower Moon, I think they kind of each hold their own. They're kind of equal uh, in some ways, but for the most part, De Niro uh, towers over DiCaprio. So I couldn't agree with you more about anybody could have played that DiCaprio role. I mean, that was yeah. not like you don't walk away from that as boring as it was to me. You don't walk away from that going like, man, that Leonardo DiCaprio. You do say that about Lily Gladstone, right. you know. Right. But you don't. You don't. You don't say. I mean, like this boy's life, where you go like, wow, look at this kid act. This is incredible, you know, or Catch Me If You Can, which mm -hmm. happens to be my personal favorite Leonardo DiCaprio film. Okay. Where you just go like, wow, this is just great. He's like, he's a pilot. He's a doctor. He's and he's funny and he's a lawyer. And it, it, I, I mean, I, <laughs> right. You don't walk away from Flower Moon with that at all. Yeah. And um, Catch Me If You Can is probably one of the, the, the most fun uh, Spielberg films ever made. It's just so mm -hmm. bouncy and light and it's interesting. And DiCaprio, he really, he draws you in. Like you want to see what's going to happen to his character. Uh, I also actually rewatched a couple of other Scorsese films he was in. And I think the strongest is without a doubt, The Departed, which is fantastic, fantastic film. Kind of like a modern day gangster epic. So 
it was really a pleasure rewatching that one for sure. Um, so, and also, and also uh, I want to just a quick mention of Shutter Island, which is also pretty good in terms of a psychological thriller. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I love DiCaprio. Um, he's not my, I mean, it's, it's hard with, with, with Killers of the Flower Moon, like, cause I was, I was very disappointed here. You know, I would love to see another performance akin to like uh, Revolutionary Road, which was just fantastic. He had re reunited with uh, Kate Winslet's character, uh, Kate Winslet's from Titanic. It's 12 years after. I don't know if you guys have seen that as well, but uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, fantastic films. And I think uh, DiCaprio, you know, he's still, he's not even 50 yet. So he has a lot left in his, uh, in his tank, I guess. Here's so, my trivia question. Yeah. You mentioned Meryl Streep. Can you name the movie that Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep starred in together? Deer Hunter. <laughs> oh, well, they are. That's true. That was an ensemble thing. This was just like a, this was just a two-hander. Oh, uh, Meryl Streep and De Niro. That's true. I forgot about Deer Hunter, but everybody's in that. I mean, Christopher true, Wilkin. True. <laughs> I'm just talking about this. This is like this movie. It was like the poster is Meryl Streep, Robert De Niro in Bloom, and I mean, and it's and, it's, and that's that's the movie. What can you give me the year? 1994. Oh man, 94. It's like it's on the tip of my tongue. Chris. Well, in full, in full disclosure, I could not think of the name of the movie. I know the movie up and down. I had to just, while we were doing this, I had to like look up <laughs> the name of the movie. But it's a feature-length film. It's not a small-budget film. It's a big film. It, it, it's a romance. It was filmed in, it, 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 it's in New York. They meet on it. They meet like passerbys on the street, and they have a kind of relationship. Oh, man. I, I'm totally blanking on that. falling in love. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, I did. came and went. But it was a big <laughs> It's a major studio release. It was not yeah. a, not like and some it, independent thing that was just, you know, made on a shoestring, uh, you know, a couple of bucks. Right. Wow. And you've got two of the, the heaviest hitters in the industry right in there. The top, in both in the prime of the career. That's you know? it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, guys, um, we only have like a minute left, but I, I just wanted to go around and do some plugs. Uh, are there any uh, projects, anything you're working on now that you can talk about? Uh, Chris, it's been a few months. How you, you have anything you want to plug today? Yeah, no, uh, I, I'm writing for We Got This Covered. Um, I'm doing a bunch of stuff there. I actually did a write-up for Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, and I uh, just uh, finished a piece that just went online about the Pixar theory on how to chronologically watch uh, each film. And uh, that's that was a fun one to do. And um, there's a lot more to come. So Nice. WeGotThisCovered.com. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. And uh, Mr. Rosen, I know you have a, a always have a few things cooking. What what do you have well, for? Again, I'd like the, the um, I don't know what day this show will air when we're recording it, but the latest episode of my television show, Talking Pictures with Neil Rosen, which airs nationally on PBS All Arts, but you don't have to watch it on PBS All Arts in the digital age that we are in right now. You can just watch it on YouTube or. Just get the link by following me on Twitter now, formerly Twitter, now X, by following me at Neil, N-E-I-L, Rosen Apples, and that's plural, Neil Rosen Apples, and you will see that I will be promoting the show, and you could just click on the link there, or you could just go to YouTube and put in uh, Talking Pictures with Neil Rosen, and you could write next to it, um, Killers of the Flower Moon, or here's some of the other movies that we discuss on this month's episode is Nyad. The um, Annette Benning Jodie Foster movie about Diana Nyad, The Long Distance Swimmer. We do The Holdovers, which so far is my favorite movie 
so far that I've seen this year. Then we do some other stuff like May, December, which hasn't come out yet, which is with Juliet Moore and Natalie Portman. And we do this documentary called Immediate Family, which I really liked, which is about all the, if you ever saw The Wrecking Crew or Standing in the Shadows of Motown, which talks about the backup bands, like Standing in the Shadow of Motown for all those Motown groups or The Wrecking Crew that did all the 60s music. This is the people that did the music for James Taylor and Carly Simon and Linda Ronstadt. And it's just the list, Hall and Oates and... I, I mean, even Billy Joel has them on 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 a, on one of it, it's. It, you'll know every song, and it's these yes. four guys, and it's just crazy. And I think if you like music, um, especially music from the seventies and eighties, this style of music, you know, uh, I mean, it talks of Warren Zevon. I mean, it talks about how they did ninety four takes of Werewolves of London, and they wound up taking the second take. So, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. so uh, anyway. Talking pictures with Neil Rose. Love that, yeah. I love it. I love it. And as for me, for plugs for me, um, you can catch Under the Radar, uh, the video version uh, on Manhattan Neighborhood Network every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. And of course, you can listen to the podcast version of Under the Radar on Sirius XM through Slam Radio SXM, uh, channel 145. And that is every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, 5 p.m. Pacific. So check that out. Uh, Chris, Neil, thank you so much for this episode tonight. You guys are awesome. And your your wisdom and insight is always uh, greatly appreciated. So thank you for your appearance today. Thank you for having us. So guys, I'm Randy Younger. This has thank been The Radar, bringing movies and people together one frame at a time. We'll see you next time. Take care.